Welcome to the Expansive Astrology Podcast, where we look at using astrology beyond the tropes and horoscopes to tune into the natural forces around us and within us, honoring our true nature to craft our future. I'm your host, Melissa, the self-care witch, and I'm here to help you meet your magic. Without further ado, let's begin this week's episode with a tarot reading for the collective. Hello, loves. Welcome to the third episode of the Expansive Astrology Podcast. I'm so thankful to have you here with me. Um, We're going to get started with the collective tarot reading for the week in just a moment. Um, But just to name um, where I am today, uh, it's not great. Today seems to be like the first day of a brand new cold. (laughs) Um, I think I'm sick. Um, So that's just a little rough, you know, it's never fun. And I think more so than I don't even feel that terrible right now. The worst part of it is like worrying about what's to come, you know, which is not good. That's not where you want to be because I really believe in, um, you know, I really want to manage my mindset even around something like a cold. Um, not to say that you can completely control a cold with your mindset, but I, I do think it helps and I've seen it help, you know, personally for myself. But anyway, right now, (laughs) right now I am in that like, Oh shit. (laughs) I'm going to have to like this next week might kind of be a rough one. And also I wonder if I can take, um, take an invitation from that. And I don't feel like I've been going too fast or anything, but apparently I'm being called to slow down. So I'm going to heed the call because I surely don't want the cold to last longer or be worse than it has to. Anyway, that being said, (laughs) I have an exciting, um, I have an exciting podcast for you this week. I'm really excited about um, what's coming up in Gemini season. But before we go there, let's um, let's see what the tarot has for us this week. The usual four card spread from Lindsay Mack. <laughs> okay. Um, and just a reminder to, since this is like for the collective, that's like a big, that's huge. So take what you need and leave the rest. If you have an understanding of these cards that's different in any way than what I'm saying, um, I hope you'll stay open to what I'm saying and also like trust your knowing first. The first card of the week represents what is present for us. And I pulled the high priestess. Hmm, that's nice. That's nice. That's really nice. Um, okay. So what's present for us this week is, and we're being asked to, um, tune in, to listen, to get really quiet and to listen. Um, the high priestess shows up when we're, um, being asked to like tune in with some piece of ourselves, 
to really listen in to some piece of our knowing. Uh, and she's reversed this week, which is like just um, a deepening of the message, a deepening of the invitation. Um, so anytime the high priestess is pulled, we're kind of asked to surrender to that idea of um, uh, being willing to tune in and tap in and listen and get quiet and listen to our inner knowing. Um, this is not about doing anything, really. It's about do the non-doing. It's about um, getting really quiet and seeing what comes up for us. And that is um, incredibly difficult when we have brains the way that we do <laughs> and lives and, you know, uh, to-do lists and obligations and worries and you know, mental illness. Um, it's, it's really hard to truly do that in the sense or in the way that like only the high priestess can. Right. But we're asked to, um, to the best of our human ability, we're asked to, um, listen in. And sometimes the brain doesn't like what, um, what is, there are you willing to be there regardless the high priestess invites us to come back into our center and to get like quiet to trust trusting that you know that we have access to eternal we have access to so much wisdom with our connection to spirit our connection to um, something greater than ourselves. You have access to that. We all do. How can you reclaim that? How can you reclaim what is in you? What is present for us this week is an invitation to come back to center and move from there. But even more than that is like, see, um, the non-moving, being in center and, and not even moving from there, really, really being there. And when you do inevitably have to move because, because we have, we, like, I don't know a single person who has the luxury of, like, truly non-doing for an extended period of time. So when we do have to move, um, can you still stay in that center? Can you still stay in that trusting and that knowing? And remember, the high priestess comes right before the empress. Um, so this is like foundational work for that radical receptivity that we do in the empress. Can we open ourselves up to ourselves? Can we open ourselves up to spirit? Can we open ourselves up to what wants to... Um, um, be known within us so that then next we can open ourselves up to even more than that. And supporting that, supporting the high priestess is temperance. <laughs> so this is like another flavor of an invitation of like connecting 
to something like greater than us. Shedding a layer of brain, shedding a layer of ego and stepping into a totally new way of being where we um, are soul guided. We're divinely guided. This is like, we, we only pull the high priestess when we're being called to really turn inward. And we only pull temperance when we're in like the rebirth stage of something. So I'm kind of living for this relationship that we have present for us this week. What is present is the high priestess and what is supporting that is temperance. What is supporting that is the fact that we are stepping into something new. And for you, that might be something really literal, um, a new phase in life, a new um, sense of identity, a new routine, a new job, a new something. It might also not be that obvious. Um, it, it, like when we're talking about shedding layers of ego, it can be really subtle. It can be like unnoticeable to anybody else outside of us sometimes. Uh, but in temperance, it's like we're stepping out of the chrysalis. This is the rebirth. In this card, we're moving into an entirely new way of being where, um, where we're being initiated into a way of being that is in connection with spirit rather than ego. Shedding some unhelpful layer of ego that needs to be sloughed off. It's And that work has been done. We're not in the death card. We're in the temperance card. So what, what does that look like for you? What does that look like if you allow the soul to become stronger than the brain? Like that's huge. That's huge. When we're able to like play with that and step into that, explore, experiment with that. What would it look like for you to lean into this new way of being, this more soul-guided way of being? Because the, the invitation is here this week for us. A more soul-guided way of being is here, and it's supporting what else is present, which is an invitation to, to tap in with our intuition, with our knowing, in a deeper way. Like I said, I'm living for this combo. <laughs> um, I really like how the two of these support each other and like play on each other um, and invite us to really like, there's like kind of an internal and an external um, dynamic that's at play here. There's like with the high priestess, there is this very internal process of like tuning in and honoring our knowing and um, getting quiet, quiet, quiet. Um, and then, and even though that is connection to something greater than ourselves, there's something about temperance that's um, the same, but different. <laughs> it's the same, but even more externally, like temperance isn't about just slowing down and being quiet and doing this like in and with ourselves and for ourselves. Temperance is about like 
how does that translate in the world for you? Like, what does that look like in the world um, to live in this new way? That's a little, even ever so slightly, a little less ego driven. Oh, and I don't know if I mentioned, but temperance was reversed too, which, um, my knowing my guides are kind of just telling me that it's, that's only signifying that we have a deepened invitation into that. Um, the reversal is, is just asking us to really pay attention to any, um, resistance to those things. And remember, oh man, the brain gets really resistant to these things. (laughs) Like this is the shit that the brain hates. This is the shit the brain hates. Living us all, okay, living us all that life. Listen to your heart, tune in and listen to your heart. Like the brain really likes to mock those things. Um, and convince us that like, it's not important or we don't have time or for some reason we can't do that or that that's for, um, you know, that shit's for snowflakes. <laughs> um, careful, careful with the, that train of thought because, um, this is not, this is not the work of a snowflake, <laughs> um, for one. And also our brain really likes to keep us away from this. And it'll really expertly keep us away from this by convincing us of this, that, or the other thing, or distracting us altogether. Just beware of that, especially since these two cards were reversed. Um, Just be really aware of um, your process as you play with these things. And with any of the majors, when these sorts of cards come up, it's an invitation to surrender to that energy. You're not really expected to, to do a thing necessarily um, other than be like, oh, okay, okay, I hear you. I see you. You're here with me. Awesome. Sick, like tight. Like um, you get to like invite them in and like surrender to them and be like, thank you for showing up, high priestess. Thank you for showing up, temperance. Um, show me how you are... Show me how you're showing up. Show me how you're unfolding. I'm I'm here. I'm listening. I'm open to it. See where they'll take you. Trust it. Now, the card that came up for the lesson for the week is the Ten of Cups. And I love I love that. Let's see, let's see where that takes us. Um, the Ten of Cups kind of depicts a happy ending. It depicts like everything coming together. There's children playing. There's um, what appears to be a happy couple and there's a giant rainbow in the sky filled with cups. Um, It's really lovely. Um, And remembering that the tarot, this card isn't telling us what what is to come necessarily. Like I hate to say that. Like I hope that, I hope that um, you find this this like joyous, happy ending, this level of peace, this giant rainbow in the sky. I hope that you find that for yourself this week. <laughs> um, and I, you know, <laughs> that's not necessarily what this card is here to say. Um, if collectively we were all going to have like a happy ending type of energy this week, um, 
you know, that'd be that that it's not it just is impossible, right? Like that's not that so that's not what this card is here for. This card is here to remind us, to ask us, to invite us to cultivate the ability to tap in with this feeling whenever, wherever, whatever is going on for you. This sense of awe with life. This sense of stillness and peace and um, play. Their arms are wide open on the card. The Ten of Cups brings us the radical invitation to, f it's kind of like the silver lining card. Like, can you find that wherever you are? What is it like to cultivate the ability to tap in with joy and awe wherever you are? And not in any sort of like, I don't know, delusional way or bypassing anything. Um, it's not asking you to ignore anything. Can you like add this to your life? And my tarot teacher makes a really good reminder that like in this card, the children are playing, you know, the, and the rainbows here, but rainbows only last for a moment. They, um, they don't stick around with us for very long. And that's part of what makes them so special. Uh, and we know that when, when the children are playing, it, it, it could be going so wonderfully, beautifully. You know, that sweet, sweet sound of children giggling. And then in an instant, <laughs> that can completely change, you know. And um, even these, like, adults on the card. Um, in, in just a moment, they're going to have to, you know, detach and go back to the chores and the tending and the cooking and the having a day job, you know, all those things. We don't know what's happening right before and after this moment that is Ten of Cups, but the lesson is to be with that feeling, right? To tap in with that feeling, to be with it when it arises, to be available to identify when it is coming up. Sometimes we're not even like able <laughs> to um, pull over and bask in the awe and the beauty that is the rainbow. Sometimes we just can't. But the lesson for this week is is to do that, is to cultivate the ability to do that. And I've said that like three or four times now, cultivate the ability to do it. It's a practice and that's the lesson. It's something that we have to um, intentionally practice and um, we can get better and better and better at it. And what a gift, right? The people who are really able to do that are such a gift. And again, just to emphasize this in case your sweet brain needs to hear it, this is not about um, 
This is not about toxic positivity. It's not about bypassing any of the difficult stuff. It's not about, you know, like the, like I said, um, in two seconds, the, this older child might step on the younger child's toes and the whole moment might go to shit. <laughs> but the lesson is to be available to it right now. And then when that whole moment does go to shit, it's not about like still averting your eyes to that and still looking up at the rainbow, right? But it's being with all of it. And a lot of us really need permission to be with the joy in life. Here it is. That's your lesson this week. Permission to be with the joy in life. Cultivate the ability to be with the joy in life. So given all of that, what's present and what the lesson is, what are we being invited to anchor into? What are we being invited to pay attention to this week? What do we do with that? Queen of Cups. Now, unlike the majors, like the High Priestess and Temperance, when the court cards come up, uh, it's an it, that is an invitation to really embody that um, whatever the court card is representing. And the Queen of Cups represents Cancer, um, and there's there's a very Cancerian <laughs> um, message here. Before I tell you what the Queen of Cups is, I want to kind of just share what the King of Cups is first. The kings are an external embodiment of the element. They are leadership. They are the most aligned, like confident, um, expert at being whatever the element is. So the king of cups is an expert of cuppage. <laughs> um, meaning he is... Um, able to be in and with the water, unlike anyone else, you know, he, um, and he is able to give and give and give of his cups because he's also able to take of his cups and fill his cups up. Like he has such a sacred, perfect divine relationship with all things, cups, water, emotions, intuition, relationships, heart. And before we can be that, before we can reach the King of Cups, we have to move through the Queen of Cups, who really focuses on that relationship with the Cups in a very quiet, internal way. Like, she does work with the Cups that nobody will ever really understand or see or know about. But the, the but, and yet the result of that work is so obvious and potent. Like she is a leader, right? The Queen of Cups knows when to go into her shell. And anytime I talk about cancer, I apologize in advance. But I can't help it but say the word innards. Over and over and over. Innards innards. What is it like to be with your innards? 
if considering that we all have a shell and a soft, squishy innard. Okay. <laughs> I'll stop. I'll save it for cancer season. <laughs> but considering that we all have a shell and we all have like a squishy, soft inside um, that we are trained to stay out of and away from. The Queen of Cups knows, like, we need the shell to survive. It's not about getting rid of the shell, but it's knowing when, when, when to use the shell, when to be inside, when to be outside, when to protect ourselves, and when we're, and it, it also, you know, the Queen of Cups and Cancer Energy also asks us, like, when are you, um, when is it time to, like, kind of shed this version of your shell? Um, is the shell really serving you still? Um, it brings us to like the chariot, the idea of the chariot, because the chariot is also ruled by cancer. So there's, you know, all these like sisters here, but this idea of has our shell, has our chariot brought us as far as we can go? Can we really go as far as we want to go in our current shell, in our current chariot? Is it time to step out of this shell, step out of this chariot, as wonderful as it was, as wonderful as it has been, as far as it has gotten us, is it time to step out of it and step into something bigger, something new, something we've never experienced before? Something that as we're changing shells, as we're shedding this old shell and stepping into the new shell, our brain might really freak the fuck out and bring us into contraction and like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> this old shell has been great. Let's just stay here. We got to protect our innards. And the Queen of Cups knows when it's time to go in, when it's time to come out, when it's time to shed an old version of the shell. The Queen of Cups has such a sacred relationship with her emotions. I was going to say it again. You're welcome. Uh, she has such a sacred relationship with her emotions that she can be with them and be informed by them without being like swept away by them. Such a sacred relationship with the heart. And we're invited to embody that this week. I love how all four of these cards together are such a, um, <laughs> and it, a real I mean, undeniable invitation to be really soft, to um, be really like soul led to really be with our heart. And the brain might be like, okay, yeah, sounds nice. That sounds lovely. We'll see. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and of course it's doing that. Of course. But it's not always so lovely. Uh, a lot of the time, it's actually really um, ugly, <laughs> really difficult, really full. Like these, the the idea of being more soul centered. Our culture doesn't love it. People around us might question us. Our brain questions us. Sometimes invitations to um, listen to the heart. You know, sometimes that medicine is really bitter. 
sometimes the medicine, um, the invitation to slow down comes in the form of a really better, bitter medicine. And like for me this week, it's coming in the form of apparently a cold, you know, it's not all fun and games. So like, even though these cards, these invitations are really lovely, um, in practice, it might not look so lovely. It can look really, um, really tough, really difficult, really snotty. Um, so I hope that that's useful for you moving through the coming week. Um, please let me know if it resonates. I'd love to hear from you. Um, but moving on into the expanse of astrology, it's officially Gemini season. And I know I introduced you to Gemini last week, but we're really happy. We have like um, four whole weeks of really floating through Gemini season. So we're going to, um, talk about that more this week, but backing up before we meet us where we are, um, let's go back to the start of the astrological year, um, which happened in the end of March with Aries season. Aries gives birth to the new astrological year. It's the first sign of the astrological year. And it, it, I love the comparison of Aries to the newborn, who the newborn, you know, <laughs> um, takes up space, uses its lungs, asks for what it needs. The newborn doesn't even question its, like, birthright to take the space that it's in, you know. And that's really Aries. Um, and then we move into Taurus, which is like the toddler. Also, Aries being the sign of the self, where the phrase is, I am. So like we're really in a very raw way, stripping it all back and tuning into like, what are we? What, it, what does it mean to be a self? What are you? Who are you? What, 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 is that, what is that to you? And then in Taurus, the phrase is, I have. And we can compare it to a toddler um, who is learning what it is to be in this world, kind of like um, taking in information about where it stands and cultivating a life from there, cultivating safety, stability, and pleasure from there. And then we move into Gemini, which the phrase is, I think, and rules the house of communication. So this transition from Taurus to Gemini, where Taurus, we're cultivating safety, stability, we're cultivating a life of pleasure with what we have and where we stand, where we've found ourselves. And then in Gemini, we're learning what it means to like be of the world. Um, we're learning how we... Um, how do we bring what it is that we have out and into the world? How do we make connections with the world? How do we communicate? How do we express ourselves into the world? Um, being a mutable air sign. We're going from Taurus, which is a fixed earth sign, into Gemini, a mutable air sign. <laughs> That's a big shift. It's a, it's a big difference. Um, and all of this work is still really foundational. We're learning what it is um, to be in the world. 
we're still really feeling into um, how we're showing up in these ways. Um, and expansive astrology uses Gemini season to really evaluate how are you showing up? How do you communicate? How are you expressing yourself? Uh, so Gemini being mutable air sometimes can kind of look and sound and feel and appear and be. <laughs> it can kind of be flaky. It feels a little flaky sometimes. Um, and let's let's like talk about what Gemini is and see if we can kind of unpack why why Gemini can get a bad rap in those ways. Um, Gemini is sometimes is like considered to be a jack of all trades. It's interested in knowing everything and like making connections with everything and um, seeing itself and everything. And it um, has an interest in knowing about everything, uh, but not necessarily very deeply, if you know what I mean. So I think that's where the jack of all trades idea comes from. And, um, and it's why Gemini can be so charming. It can see so many things. It sees itself in so many things. It wants to know so many things. It sees all sides of, of things. And, um, people really feel comfortable in that people feel comfortable when they feel seen. Um, and so there's a certain charm about it. And we're going to talk about that charm more later too. Uh, but one of the gifts that Gemini brings or has or holds and invites us to look into is its ability to see all sides of a thing. It's ability, it's ability to like hold dualities and spectrums. Um, so like, I don't think Gemini is two-faced. I think Gemini is everything all at once. <laughs> and, um, depending on what is going on, of course, there's like contextual factors at play always. Um, but Gemini can be so charming and connecting and, um, has these beautiful intentions in that way. And because Gemini can be everything all at once, I think sometimes it tries to like hide if it's, um, not feeling so great, but it's, but that is there, right? Right under the surface. So then there's the stereotype that Gemini is two-faced. Um, I don't think it's that it's two-faced. They're only showing us the side that they want us to see. And it's not about them. It's about Gemini, the, the, um, energy of Gemini in general. So if there's a Gemini in your life, um, I don't want you to start questioning them, <laughs> thinking that they are two-faced, right? But so I don't think Gemini is two-faced. I think it's everything all at once. And I don't think it's flaky. I think it's everything all at once. I think it's really, it's mutable. So Gemini is interested in learning and connecting all these things. And um, it's okay to change your opinion. Right? And I think Gemini is really willing to do that. It's really willing to move from one end of a spectrum to another. It's really willing to learn new information and adjust because of it. And um, that's good. <laughs> that's okay. We want um, to be able to do that. We want to be mutable in those ways. 
I think where it becomes kind of problematic and people feel uncomfortable with it and we start labeling it as flaky or two-faced is when it's unpredictable. And in reality, we are all unpredictable, especially if we're living a soul-guided life. But in my opinion, like the remedy to that stereotype, the remedy to that stereotype, to that problem is authenticity, being willing to share where we are on the spectrum and why we've shifted or, and, um, not that we like have to defend that and explain that all the time to everyone, but I think it can be really useful. And I think it can be really useful to both be happy and charming and welcoming and whatever, and also authentically share, I'm having a shit day or I'm depressed or I'm anxious or, you know, I'm really going through it or whatever is happening. I think we can remedy the appearance of being two-faced or the appearance of being flaky by adopting more authenticity and being willing to share our process. And in Gemini season, we're reminded that we can be everything all at once. We are very complicated (laughs) in that way. Uh, And I think the more we just kind of open to that and allow ourselves to be that and um, don't feel shame about that, um, I think the better for the collective, you know what I mean? And the more we practice with our own fluidity, you know, the more present we're able to be. And presence is like everything. (laughs) Presence is where magic is. Um, so another, you know, Gemini is represented by the twins. And in that we're invited to explore the idea of othering ourselves. Um, and we do this in a lot of different ways. We tend to buy into this idea that we need to find our other half. We need to find ourselves in something outside of ourselves. Um, and represented by the twins, Gemini is always seeking its other half. It's always seeking its reflection. And in some ways, that's a beautiful gift. We're so thankful for Gemini for its ability to do that. And then in other ways, that can become really problematic and terrible when uh, um, it turns into like transference and projection and um, Gemini needs to remember and we all need to remember that we are whole. We're already whole and as beautiful as it is and as important as it is to seek our reflection in the world around us and see ourselves represented in the world around us, it's just as important to also remember that we are whole as we are. Gemini season invites us to really consider how we experience the self and respect that experience and express the self. There's this Gemini and Mercury and um, the magician who are all related. Um, There's this weaving of what is outside of us and how it comes into us and impacts us. And then what we do with that, how we bring that outside of us again. It's this weaving, this connection of having an experience outside of us, bringing it in, and then how that then externalizes again outside of us. 
we um, consider where we're invited to ask how we get our internal needs met externally, how we make these things happen for ourselves. We're experts at getting our needs met. Sometimes we do it in really wonderful, beautiful, empowered ways. And sometimes we get our needs met in really disempowered, harmful ways. How do you get your needs met? How do you get your internal needs met externally? There's a sense of, there's like an invitation into personal responsibility with that. And with like the lover's card, which is also ruled by Gemini. So we're invited to ask like, where am I placing my needs on something external outside of me? Where am I expecting, um, you know, for example, a relationship or a lover to fulfill something inside of me? It's a losing battle, babe. If you're doing that, it's a losing battle. Our internal needs can only ultimately be met by us. And that doesn't mean that we can't like interact with the external world to do that. Of course, of course, like obviously (laughs) we have to, um, we have to interact with the external world, of course. But how are you doing that? Are you manipulating in a harmful way? Or are you like, um, asking, you know, are you manipulating in a way that, um, is in your highest and best interest and is for sure not harmful to anyone around you? The big, big question is like, what is happening inside of me and what is happening outside of me? And how do those things connect? What is happening inside of me? And what is happening outside of me? And how do those things connect? How can I bring them into more alignment? How can I I empower myself in this situation to get those needs that are inside of me met, to tend to what's happening outside of me gracefully? That's a massive way of looking at things, Um, especially in Mercury retrograde where like mishaps and communication issues and arguments tend to happen. If we're able to kind of like pause in the middle of a situation like that and really consider, okay, what is happening inside of me right now? And what is happening outside of me right now? How do those things connect? How am I responsible? How am I not? How can I empower and affect change? What is it that my innards are needing? that I can work toward or work to advocate for. Gemini, you know, this season is about having a really realistic idea of who and how we are in the world, bringing us into effective self-expression where we're honoring our duality. We're honoring the spectrums that we fall on. We're honoring the fact that we are very complex beings who are experiencing a wide range of emotions and thoughts and beliefs and experiences at any given moment. And we can change from moment to moment to moment. That can be really confusing for ourselves and the people outside of us, like honoring all of that and learning how to express ourselves effectively. So Mercury rules the nervous system. 
And like I said, the nerve, I said this last week, the nervous system is everything. It's everything. It's everything. (laughs) And every experience we have, every idea we have, every inspiration, every thought we have runs through this channel. It runs through our body. And we're going to be talking more about like magician energy on next week's episodes. We're, we're going into like what it is to be a channel even more next week. And, and it starts this week when, and it starts with, um, tending the nervous system. We're using Gemini season in expansive astrology. We use this season to practice constantly checking in with ourselves, constantly checking in with how am I doing today? How am I doing? What is my experience in this body? What does my body need? What does my heart need? What am I available for? What do I need to adjust? Constantly checking in. Ooh, my neck feels tight. Ooh, I was holding my breath. Constantly checking in. Oh, I was grinding my teeth. Mm, I'm feeling really activated. Oh, I'm feeling really um, critical. (laughs) Constantly checking in with what is coming up for you. And then tending to that from there. But most of us don't even do that checking in part. So... It's impossible to do any tending if we're not even available to see what is here to tend to. So starting with that, I mean it constantly checking in before we do anything, before we answer the phone, before we cook dinner, before we get out of bed, before we initiate a conversation with our spouse, all the things, just checking in. And it doesn't mean... um, it doesn't mean that all of the circumstances have to like be perfect or something before we proceed with any of those things. Um, but the practice of checking in with what is present here so that then if there is something that we can tend that we can and need to tend to right in that moment, that we're at least giving ourselves the chance to, um, but understanding that with this check-in, <laughs> um, the circumstances aren't always going to be like ideal, <laughs> Um, let alone perfect. And the the practice of the importance of honoring ourselves and our experience and our body so much that we're always checking in with ourselves. How am I doing? What am I available for? What do I need to pay attention to? What do I need to tend to? Mercury rules the hands and the lungs, which are both twins, (laughs) like Gemini. Uh, and the nervous system. So invitations to just check in with those things. Um, check in with the hands and the lungs. How, how are you using your hands? I really like to think of this. Like if the hands are an extension of the heart, what have you literally been doing with your hands? What have you literally been doing with the hands, with your hands? And is it aligned with what the heart wants? And, um, you know, A lot of the time, what we're doing with our hands is changing diapers and paying bills and, you know, shopping for groceries and um, whatever kind of work we have to do to earn a paycheck to to survive. Um, 
So obviously our hands have to engage with those things. <laughs> um, and those things can still be heart centered, even if they're like survivalist and based in our capitalist society. <laughs> um, it's still heart centered to, um, you know, like tend the hearth <laughs> and do those sorts of chores and, and work for a living. Um, that's still heart centered because it's like caretaking. Um, and what are you doing with your hands that is not caretaking, that is not aligned with your heart, that is not aligned with your goals, that is not aligned with your um, ideals, your values, your dreams for yourself. For me, you know, I, I deleted Twitter a few weeks ago and um, every now and then I really <laughs> want to go back to it. But like, that's one thing that, you know, I'm using my hands for. I'm scrolling through Twitter and it doesn't feel good for me. And it's an example where when I have these invitations to check in with how have you been using your hands lately? Is there anything that you can do with your hands to honor, you know, your experience more? The answer is almost always yes. And sometimes that looks like, yes, I can repot a plant. Yes, I can put lotion on my elbows. Um, yes, I would like to bake banana bread with the bananas that are essentially rotting on my counter. <laughs> um, what are you doing with your hands? Mercury ruling the lungs. Also, um, just checking in with your breath, your relationship with your breath. I'll always recommend having a relationship with your breath, a mindfulness, a presence, even if that's not adopting like a full out meditation practice. Um, at least once a day, God, I hope for each of us to at least once a day check in. When's the last time I really exhaled all the way? When we really try, like you can exhale way longer than you might think you can. Like try it. Just like keep going and going and going sometimes. <laughs> like there's so much air. We hold on to so much air. <laughs> and it's just the way our body is, right? But we also, it's also like more meaningful than just the fact that we don't exhale, you know, it's more than that. We hold on to a lot of stuff and our breath is representative of that. When's the last time you exhaled fully? Can you take the deepest breaths you've had yet today? And make sure you're doing that every day. And then if you really have the balls for it, breath work. But it's not for the weak. When I say you got to have balls, I mean it. <laughs> like breath work is um, work. And I highly recommend it. Now let's go to science class and talk about the nervous system. I want to talk about everything that the nervous system is. So that we can have a really full, I mean, I'm not even going to, I shouldn't have even said that. Like, I'm hardly going to scratch the surface, <laughs> barely at all. Um, but I want us to have an idea of how incredible this shit is <laughs> um, as we move through the rest of Gemini season, just so that we can really revel in the awe of um, what we are made of. This is, this shit is crazy. So the nervous system is the system. It's what allows us to know ourselves. It provides consciousness. It coordinates all activities of the body and allows us to respond and adapt to the environment. It's like everything. The nervous system is the major controlling, regulatory, and communicating system in the body. 
It's the center of all mental activity, including thought, learning, and memory. Through its receptors, the nervous system keeps us in touch with our environment, both external and internal. Millions of sensory receptors detect changes or stimuli, which occur inside and outside the body. They monitor such things as temperature, light, and sound from the external environment. Inside the body, the internal environment, receptors detect variations in pressure, pH, carbon dioxide concentration, and the levels of various electrolytes. All of this gathered information is called sensory input. Sensory input is converted into electrical signals called nerve impulses that are transmitted to the brain. There, the signals are brought together to create sensations and produce thoughts or add to memory. Decisions are made each moment based on the sensory input. This is called integration. We integrate the sensory input and make a decision. And based on the sensory input and integration, the nervous system responds by sending signals to muscles. And the way that messages travel from the body to the brain is completely different from the way that messages travel from the brain to the back to the body. It's truly incredible. And I bring all of this up to illustrate how complex this is. Our nervous system is such a complex system. Our brain chemistry is so complicated and miraculous and impressive and frustrating, like all of it. So when we're talking about our nervous system, we're talking about a lot. It is constantly doing stuff and detecting stuff and sending messages that we're not even aware of. And I would venture, I would dare to say that um, even like doctors and scientists aren't fully aware of how these processes happen within us. Way back, like 3,000 years ago in ancient Egypt, medical practitioners at the time described a strange wire in the body. Um, and they described this strange wire the only way they could. They said that it was the system in our body that connects all of our prana and supplies it to the rest of the body. They called the system the chakras. And each vital organ is a point where prana collects. Prana being like the Indian equivalent to Chinese chi, the life force, life energy, all things, the force. <laughs> um, and it was said that the chakras, and this is still believed today, <laughs> that the chakras regulate our internal functions, like our immune system and regulating emotions and allowing us to connect to our higher consciousness. So... Similarly to how um, I said that the nervous system is what allows us to know ourselves, it provides consciousness, it coordinates the activities of the body, it allows us to respond and adapt. Uh, they also say that the chakras regulate our emotions and our um, like physical immune system and allow us to connect to higher consciousness. Similar ideas, no? So the idea here is to honor, honor, honor so fully, so deeply, whatever the system is made of, 
Um, and, you know, I only very briefly touched on two different ideas that aren't even like mutually exclusive of like the Western medicine idea of what the nervous system is. And then, you know, this ancient e Egyptian idea of this strange wire that connects prana to the different pieces of us. Um, and like any sort of um, theory or idea of what the nervous system is um, in between those two things. Like the, uh, the invitation this season is to really honor whatever it is that we are, whatever it is that keeps us going <laughs> in the way that we're able to go, um, constantly checking in with yourself. Tend to your energy. Don't dismiss anything. Consider it all to be like data. Every experience that our sweet body has is some sort of response to something, right? Or some sort of communication to us. It's all data. Any sort of obstacle is just a clue that something needs tending or something is off or something needs a delay. Um, so again, like don't dismiss anything. <laughs> the crick in your neck needs tending. Your impulse to get up and dance, tend to that too. Honor your impulses. You don't know, we don't know where they came from, but it came from somewhere and it hit your channel and you get to decide what to do with it. We're invited to really focus on where we do have control and where we don't have control, surrender. And that said, never underestimate where you do have control. Now, before I go, I do want to make a note about Mercury retrograde because we are still in it. <laughs> um, we're in it for just over another week. Um, just a reminder that Mercury retrograde isn't just something that happens to us. This is something that happens for us. And we get to decide to engage with Mercury retrograde. We get to decide to engage with what comes up for us. So um, I don't know who needs to hear this. <laughs> but um, just a, that, reminder, that, that reminder that every miscommunication is an opportunity to clarify yourself, to give yourself more of a voice. Every argument is an opportunity to refine your relationship, whether that means growing closer or growing further apart. And, you know, um, every traffic jam is an opportunity to check in with your lungs, you know, do that 20 second exhale, <laughs> um, do a little breathing. Um, some mindfulness, check in with why you're feeling so rushed and frustrated. Um, also, I really like to use Mercury retrograde as an opportunity to, um, you know, clean out my inboxes, clean out my old text messages, clean out useless screenshots from my phone. I also like to clean out closets um, and get rid of the shit that I don't need anymore. And so like, in between Mercury retrogrades, I kind of, you know, I'll post some things on Facebook Marketplace and um, kind of like the donation pile grows. And then by the end of Mercury retrograde, if the things haven't sold or, you know, if I haven't found a use for them, or, um, it's time for them to go. And 
I don't know who needs to hear this, but stop hanging on to old shit that you don't need. And actually, I know who needs to hear this. It's me. It's me. It's me. Especially like being a mom has challenged my, um, <laughs> has challenged this in a whole new way, dude. Cause like, what if the next baby wants it? Or what if it's a memory? Or like, what if another mom could use it? And like, stop hanging on to old shit you don't need. Like if it's not like a full yes, like, yes, I want to save this for the next baby or yes, I need to save this for myself or yes, this is a special memory or yes, my little sister will use this one day or, you know, unless it's like a full yes, then it's a no. Use, use Mercury retrograde as an excuse to liberate yourself of those things. Liberate yourself of the things that are kind of keeping you stuck in an old way of being. And again, like, (laughs) I'm saying this to and for myself as much as I'm saying it to and for you, sweet listener, because I've got my, um, my pile out here that I'm like, I know my rule about donations and Mercury retrograde. And I keep kind of eyeballing this pile like, oh, this one's tough. This one's tough. Um, it doesn't, it, it does get easier, but also like it's, it's always a process, you know, um, especially considering the culture that we live in and um, the way that, um, you know, inflation is happening and uh, you know, just the state of the world in general, um, it can be really hard to justify like getting, getting rid of things. And can you liberate yourself from those things? Astrological forecast for the week, just a few changes. Um, Venus enters into Taurus. So we're going to have Venus and Taurus and Mercury retrograde in Taurus. So, and we're just moving out of Taurus. Um, so I really, I really appreciate that. I really like that. Um, even though we're moving into Gemini season, you know, the sun is moving through Gemini. There's still some Taurus energy happening for us. We're still invited to explore that cultivation, that beauty, that pleasure, that um, safety, that security. And Venus is um, really at home in Taurus, Taurus and Libra, I believe. Um, So that should be a really lovely placement. Um, On Sunday, the 29th is the next moon meetup in preparation for the new moon in Gemini, which happens early in the morning on May 30th. Um, I would love to see these moon meetups grow. This will only be my second one. I would be honored to have you there. Uh, we'll be chatting about what the new moon in Gemini brings and I can help each of you, um, craft intentions in alignment with that new moon in Gemini. If you need help with that, um, individual tarot polls as well. And then also just some really wonderful, if I do say so myself, um, mindfulness and embodiment practices and just an opportunity to really check in with ourselves and create community and accountability for ourselves and with each other. And, um, it's my offering to you to have a really affordable therapeutic check-in every other week with me. Um, so if that's something that you feel called to, I really want you there. So 
let me know. Um, otherwise, I will see you next week right after that new moon in Gemini. So I hope it's wonderful for you. But until then, that's all I have for you. Thanks so much for being here. I'll see you next time. Bye. Now, before you go, let me keep your ear for just a moment. This week's episode is brought to you by www.theselfcarewitch.com, my bread and butter, where you can find more information on my current courses, offerings, and other fun ways to connect with myself and yourself. If you enjoyed this episode and you dig what I'm doing here, please subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and leave a review. It helps so much. And if you'd like to connect with me, head to theselfcarewitch.com. I'd truly love to hear from you. Until next time, take care.